is Paul. This is Wayne. Okay, and guys, I'm fair Andrew. warning. Oh, and, and oh come, I'm just, on, I'm just, come on. Just stumbling right over Andrew. I mean, it's like I sure introduced is. him and then forgot he was here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, Andrew. I feel bad. Do you, do you want to start over? No, it's fine. It's fine. I, I feel bad. I feel bad. No, but, but, but no, but no, that Paul will not edit this out. He will not. I look for that first. Hello! I don't look for the second. <laughs> so, uh, I, I want to. Fair, fair warning, guys. Fair warning. I started my uh, holiday. PTO at 1.30 yesterday afternoon, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and uh, I have embarked on my holiday season of drinking, and <laughs> there is bourbon in my coffee, and has been since I got up at 4 a.m., so brace yourselves. Kind of, I, I kind of expected that ago. might be the case based on uh, our conversation to date. Why are you up at 4 a.m., Aaron? Uh, the, uh, our, our, dog Walter sleeps in the bedroom with us. You know, he is, uh, he is, uh, our, our a good boy. He is, he is a boy. good boy and he is our elder dog. And he, uh, got up and was pacing around and that woke me up enough that I, I didn't get back to sleep. Cause you're, I'm just just you're like, ah, God damn it. No, it was just like, what's he doing? What's he doing? And then, Hmm, I could go have coffee. <laughs> I, I thought maybe you're up at 4am to get caught up on the Mandalorian season two. Oh no, I did that at like midnight. So, you know, I got about, you know, three and a half, four hours of sleep. But, uh, <laughs> nice. I, I woke up yesterday morning. So, I could so tell I, you sent that text at like 6 a.m. Yeah, because <laughs> I woke up and I'm like, Jen, after the gym, but before work, we're watching Mandalorian because <laughs> I need to see it before work because the social media shit is already starting. And yeah, so before I, we kick off, I did Andrew, basically the same thing, Paul, before work, first thing in the morning, woke up, put it on. So Andrew's going to take off his helmet here. His helmet. I am. <laughs> I'm going to take off my Darth Vader helmet, which is where I have my headphones. And, See, and, and, uh, I, and I, I will be back after the Mandalorian conversation because I have not yet had a chance uh, to watch it. Poor Andrew. All right. Poor one out for Andrew. He's gone <laughs> to us now. <laughs> so, so, so did you guys uh, stick around for the after credit sequence? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, so Mandalorian, Chapter 16, The Rescue. Um the biggest, I would say, the biggest and, for my opinion, best episode of Mandalorian to date. Um, features a return of most of the characters from the season. We do, we do not get the return of Soka, Ahsoka. We do not get the return of Timothy Oliphant. I was a little disappointed Timothy Oliphant didn't show up, but yeah, I guess I thought, that would be awkward I, I, with Boba Fett. Yeah, well, and I, it, I did feel like we were going to see Timothy Oliphant again this season, but uh, we didn't. Nor Carl Weathers. Yeah, I found both of those, uh, you know, exceptions interest, uh, you know, ex- you know, uh, interesting. But I guess you had enough people. Yeah, you so, had a lot of people yeah. on the screen with, you know, Ming Nan, Boba Fett, and uh, mm-hmm. those Bo-Katan. other people. <laughs> Bo-Katan and the other lady. Cardoon. Right. Yeah, Cardoon. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they they have they are storming Moff Gideon's light cruiser to get Grogu back, and uh, you know the the dark troopers. Are, are, are the imminent threat in this episode and, and a special, I don't know how, I don't know how, how far deeper, I mean, we're going to spoil the shit out of it. So just, yeah, yeah. Brace yourself. Why it's yeah. spoiled. Yeah. Um, you know, we get just so much in this episode. We get Luke Skywalker. Yeah. What the, yep. you know, the X-Wing shows up 
you know, hey, there's an X-Wing out there. Yay, one X-Wing. We're saved. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you know, uh, Grogu uh, did make a phone call to any Jedis listening. And I was like, that this can't be. This can't be. And they show a robed, hooded figure get out of the, 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 the uh, X-Wing. And, you know, that was always Luke's ride, right? And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, you're like, this... They're they're just making it look like it's Luke. This is yeah. There's no way. Yeah, there is no. What confirmed it for me before even before he pulls off the hood is I don't know if you guys noticed, but I was watching for the hands, the gloves. Yeah, you can see the glove. There's one glove. There's one non-glove. Like that's Luke. Yeah. Well, I was thinking Michael Jackson, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, because that would have been mind blowing, right? Michael Jackson, you know, pulls back the hood, moonwalks a little bit, scoops up Grogu because in his age profile. You know, <laughs> he would have also had to have been CG, but, <laughs> but that C, I mean, it is amazing what we do with, uh, computers now in special effects because mm-hmm. the Mark Hamill, you know, de-aged for the role and the, 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 whatever they did to the audio to make his voice right yeah. was fucking amazing. I mean, you could go make a legit, you know, episode, you know, 3.5, uh, what, uh, 6.5 right yeah i mean you could do that if you wanted to spend the money you could do that and it look just as wonderful live action as uh return of the jedi i was stunned I, I, it, it is absolutely incredible um that that moment was you know you know it's luke you know right you know before he shows the hood but at the same time it's like huh are they, how are they going to do it? And then they take, you know, he takes the hood off because, you know, everyone's like, oh, cast Sebastian Stan. And I'm glad they didn't. Um, you know, I guess they will probably have to cast someone at some point if they want to have him, you know, extended sequences. Yeah. But it was so well done. He was very stiff. But, you know, there's still a lot of emotion in that scene when he yeah. when he takes Grogu and they have like this moment where he looks at him and he acknowledges because I don't know, maybe it's in my head, but I felt like there was a moment where he was thinking about Yoda uh-huh. While looking at Grogu. Oh, no, I agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I was like, oh, come on. Yeah. So good. It was. It, I, and here's the here's what blows my mind is how in the hell, how in the hell does Disney keep this kind of thing secret? How do they keep the yeah. lid on this shit? You know, I, I, I really think that, that our CIA people need to go study with the Disney people because yeah. John Favreau kept a lid on this shit. And this stuff must have been shot at least a year ago. Yeah. I mean, it, it blows my mind. It blows my mind that you had a whole writer room who knew about it, production staff who knew about it. And, and, and you know, the reason why they're able to keep it quiet is they've all got NDAs with Disney, and everybody knows, do not fuck with Disney. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I was amazed. It, I, I was I was blown away. And then the post-credit credit sequence, uh, you know, and I didn't – I hadn't read anything online. I had been, you know, deliciously – uh, ignorant of everything going on yesterday because I didn't watch it till late last night. Um, but when the credits started rolling, you know, normally they do the uh, uh, the art concepts, you know. Yeah. And I was like, well, this they, they've they've done this weird, so maybe I need to wait. And I well, did. And, and they did post credits on the first season finale too. Right. That's right. I I, I forgot all about that, but uh, you know. The, that post-credit sequence with Boba Fett was pretty damn cool. Yeah, yeah, I waited for it because of the first the first season's post-credit one, uh-huh. which was where we saw the dark saber the right. first time. Yeah, because apparently Bib Fortuna has uh, taken over Jabba's palace and gotten super fat. Those tentacles be thick, Paul. <laughs> yeah, 
But uh, he doesn't last very long because now Boba has taken over as the new king of the underworld. At least that's the impression I got with Fennec Shan on his right arm. Um, I with, just, you know, that, that last sequence or that last shot is just so fantastically done. Yeah. Well, and her bionic tummy. Don't forget yeah, about that. That's true. <laughs> so <laughs> the, are either of you worried about next season? Uh, particularly because a lot of the fans watch the show specifically for Baby Yoda, Grogu. Yeah, yeah I think and that, yeah. I'm interested in this storyline. I'm interested in taking back Mandalore. I'm interested in Bo-Katan and all of that from what I saw in Rebels and Clone Wars. But I know a lot of people watching are watching for Baby Yoda. No, I agree. I, I think that there is a tremendous slice of the fandom that is all about Grogu. And uh, I think you take Grogu out and, I, and you're probably going to peel off some of those guys. Yeah, I'm yeah, very I curious. I hope it's not too much because I I wanted to get a season four. Yeah, I'm very curious to see what they're gonna be what they're gonna do for season three. And of course, we won't know until a trailer is released, like next November, probably. Um, you know, because they're, because they're so secretive and because they're so good at it, they've probably filmed half the shit already. Right. Um, you know, because the the show ends with that Boba Fett taking over for Jabba, and um, or for Bib Fortuna now. And the question is, you know, it says the book of Boba Fett coming December 2021. Yeah. And my question is, we know Mandalorian season three is also coming December of 2021. Yeah. So is that Mando season three? And it's just focus. Is Boba a bad guy for Mando season three? You know, like what's happening with baby Yoda? What's going to happen? You know, what, what is the plan for season three? And the problem is we won't know. Yeah. Yep. For, well, for like and I was wondering, what is book of Boba Fett? It could be a book. It could be a TV show. It could be, you know, is it next season or is it something else entirely? It could be the next holiday special. You don't know. It could be. It could be a movie, you know, that they're filming right before season three. It does, because it doesn't say, you know, season three, the book of Boba Fett. It just says the book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, you know, you've noticed, sorry, one more uh, point is they've called each one of these chapters. So, you know, is the book of Boba Fett like a different book? And we're going to have different chapters there. I don't know. So many questions. Yeah. Yeah. So I loved seeing the Darksaber in action. Like I'm watching as it uh, hits the Beskar spear and the spear, you know, glowed. Like it was really cool seeing it, you know, come in because of all of the history of it that I've got from the other shows. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like when he take when he beats Gideon and gets it, you know, instantly I knew what that meant. Yeah. Well, so I'm calling a little bit of shenanigans on that. Oh, I'm calling a little bit of shenanigans on, you know, the dark saber has to be won in battle in order to, you know, be, you know, to have the the weight that it carries as, you know, the the royalty of Mandalore. Because Sabine just handed it over. And Sabine did, yielded to Bo-Katan, <laughs> and that's how she got the dark saber last time. So I'm calling kind of bullshit on that. That uh, is definitely fair. Because yes, yeah, Sabine did just hand it over. Yeah, and it's Dave Filoni who wrote both. So I'm sure there's some explanation for it, just like there is about the whole why does he wear why why can't he take his helmet off when everyone when every other Mandalorian can? Right. Like they explained that. I'm sure they'll explain this. Yeah, it was interesting for me too to see the other Mandalorians' reactions to Boba Fett. You know how they recognize yeah. the uh, the uh, voice of the clones. You mean your donor? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I didn't see that part coming at all. I thought they would embrace him as a Mandalorian, and instead, no, they, you know, they declared he isn't a Mandalorian, and he agreed. Yeah, it was a cool bar fight. 
I enjoyed the it use was. of the backpack in the uh, in the rocket pack in, in the bar fight. I thought that was that was wicked. Yeah, you, you don't want to good... get into a bar fight with them. You'll get burned. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it was no, a really great just... episode. I, I, I'm not sure I'd call it the best episode of the series other than what a terrific surprise uh, the appearance of Luke was. Mm-hmm. But I will say that it was you know, certainly in the top three, top five. Yeah, I mean, folks are definitely you know saying this is a, a true successor to the original trilogy. And I, yeah. I, you know, I would agree. It's, it's so well done. Um, it's a successor to everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of the good things, at least. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, the Phantom Menace. Yeah, to Clone Wars, to Rebels, to the original trilogy, you, they just keep giving us, you know, keep giving the fans all of these things that we want to see. Yeah, yep. it, it does make me wonder, you know, now that you've shown me Luke Skywalker, it seems like you're going to have to do that some more, right? You can't, yeah, you, like... you, you're going to have to give me more Luke at some point. And I would imagine that, you know, we get that, you know, towards the end of the next season. You know, or maybe a a walk on in the last episode of next season when the ratings drastically go down because there's no baby Grogu and they <laughs> have to right. find a way to bring yeah. it back. That's right. Here's the thing: John Favreau's not dumb. There, no, right? Plan, yeah, you know? yeah. I'm sure there yeah. is. I'm sure there is. Did you see uh, Mark Hamill's uh, Instagram or tweet yesterday about it? Oh, yeah, no. he was like, seen anything, anything good TV on TV lately? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I also geeked out about R two D two. Oh yeah, same. Yeah. Even same. though we've seen him, still just seeing him roll up. Yeah. No, I I did. Well, and even you know Groku's reaction, like, oh, I'm gonna enjoy fucking with this. You know yeah. that, that look, and you know that R two was actually happy to see Groku, as opposed to going, oh god, another one of these. <laughs> so, my wife was disappointed by one minor thing. Hmm. So when the uh, Razor Crest got destroyed, he pulled out that the ball. Right. Oh yeah. And the whole time she's like, "Give him the ball." Oh yeah. Give him the ball. Let him take the ball. Give him the ball. Give him the ball. And it didn't come up. Yeah. It's That's such a problem. minor, minor little thing, but it would have been a interesting touch for him to have pulled it out and given him something. No, you're right. But I told her what I think it's going to be is he's going to have that as a reminder. Yeah. And he, we're going to see it in season three, him looking at it and longing for his child. Yeah. So it was just, it was so good. It was. So, you know, so exciting. Um, you know, so next week uh, on Disney Plus, uh, they, I think it starts on Christmas Day. I could be wrong. We have the start of the um, the second season of Disney Gallery. Oh, good. Know, which goes into the making. I was hoping uh, they would. Of, uh, you know, of Mando season two. And that's just yeah, that show is just so it well is really done. A, you know, I, I don't usually like the making of the show shows, but mm-hmm. but just like Mandalorian, uh, the the gallery is just so well conceived and it, it pulls together, you know, the the John Favreau dinner with five vibe to it that I like so much. Yeah, yeah. I tell you, the two uh, two things I'm looking forward to the most out of it is seeing them talk about the Ahsoka episode and how it basically is a Kurosawa homage mm-hmm. and then seeing them talk about the de-aging technology with Luke. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and so, you know, with that in mind that you're going to be, you're going to have to choose, well, which one are you going to watch first on Christmas day? Are you going to choose Mandal- the Disney gallery making of Mandalorian season two, or are you going to watch wonder woman 1984? Well, I'm going to get all up in that wonder woman. Yeah. yeah. Well, and now well, you can, Aaron, without any issues, because you have a Roku stick, don't you? No. 
Network. Oh, I thought that's how you watched your streaming service. No, Chromecast. Oh, Chromecast. So you're stuck anyway. You're you're stuck. Well, the, that the shit. new Chromecast, the, the new Chromecast is actually really good. So oh, it's yeah. it's not the old Chromecast that was a that you had to you know uh, stream off of your iPad or phone. It actually yeah. it acts like a Roku or it acts like oh, a TV. Okay. So well, because HBO Max made a deal with Roku. Uh, you know, to 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 finally bring HBO Max to the Roku platform, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about it. It's something I will buy it now. Like, I have not subscribed to HBO Max because it wasn't on my TV. It's I still don't think it's on my LG smart TV. But I mean, the thing about the 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 smart TV that I have is I can just load it up on my phone and hit AirPlay to the TV, and it'll I don't you know, do that. Do it to the just, TV and... There's a lag to the voices. It just it's not right. Really, I haven't, had that, I haven't had that issue. It's an ethical issue. It's not right. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't like. I will not cast anything. I don't do Chromecast. I don't do that. It's just not not as good. That's well, the Chrome, only way I'm going to get it in 4K though. I, I just. My, uh, go ahead. I was just going to clarify. I, I understand what you're saying about the previous iteration of Chromecast. I hated it as well. The new version of Chromecast that just launched like two months ago is fantastic and functions just like a Roku or any of those other streaming devices. Hmm. Interesting. I have not tried the one that just came out. Yeah, it is. I, I, I bought, I bought one and tried it out and was immediately dazzled by it and bought others uh, for other TVs in the house. Cause uh, it, it's, it's pretty sweet. I, I, I enjoy the interface, uh, lots of support out for it. Uh, if there is a streaming app out there that's Chrome compatible, you know, you've got access to it. I mean, I'd say Christmas Day is probably going to be the biggest, um, <laughs> you know, movie day of the year because not only are we getting Wonder Woman 84, we're also getting that Disney movie Soul. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, we're getting Which is supposed to be really good. I've seen a lot of good write-ups about yeah. that. You know what the crazy thing about that is? Um, the music is by Trent Reznor. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, huh, wow. Had like a whole... Uh-huh. I want to fuck you like an animal. Not doing Disney movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I'm have pretty a lot sure that doesn't people... make an appearance in the movie. I oh, I think it does. a lot of people not traveling for Christmas, so yeah, absolutely. it'll be an even bigger movie day than usual. That's right. Yeah. Well, and on the pay-for-movie front, I don't know if you guys – do you remember when they announced that Gerard Butler movie, Greenland? It's like um... – it's like a, an Armageddon-type movie, like yes. comets are falling to Earth, and yes. he's got to get his family to Greenland. Marina Bacharin plays his wife. Yeah, yeah. That's now on streaming, too. You have to pay for it. Uh. But uh, I guess they decided to go ahead and do the streaming right on that, too. So lots of stuff to watch over so, this next week can on, I your, take, on your drunken PTO. Can I take just a moment to complain about Disney Plus? Oh, yes. So You're going to complain about Disney Plus? I am. I'm going to complain Ooh. about Disney Plus because... So, you know, one of the nice things about Disney Plus is that it combines, you know, several different media outlets. You know, you got your Marvel, you got your Disney, you got your Pixar, you got your National Geographic. And I was watching a documentary at four o'clock this morning and uh, Albert Einstein was in it. And it dawned on me, I've never seen a movie about Albert Einstein. I've seen movies and shows where he's a supporting character, but never one that was about him. So I, you know, I started Googling, you know, uh, what's out there, you know, and found a couple of movies that didn't look very good. But I found a TV series called Genius. And uh, the first season is all about Albert Einstein, and it's a fictional series. It is executive produced by Brian Grazer and Ron Howard. 
um, it, it Jeffrey Rush plays Einstein, and in the second season, it's about Picasso, and Antonio Banderas plays Picasso. I'm like, yes, I've heard of that. I, well, I was like, I've never heard of this series, but it's a National Geographic series. I'm like, fucking sweet. That's in my uh, that's in my Disney Plus. I bet it streams there. It does not. <laughs> it does not. And these are these are shows from 2017 and 2018, and uh, it is not in my National Geographic stream. The hell. No. It is in your Hulu stream because I believe it, it was more of an uh, adult show. But you know they've got like you know right stuff in there. Are you saying that when it's more adult, there's like naked people? Yeah, I think. I think and it Disney is more Plus is above the naked people. Correct. Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, you remember that's what they said when they did the Marvel stuff that certain types of shows like Hellstrom would not be on Disney Plus; they would be on Hulu, and then they would be canceled. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> huh. Okay. Yeah. Certainly annoying. So you know, now I'm buying it at ten dollars a season over on Prime because you know I don't do that Hulu thing. Like an animal. Like an animal. Ugh, you, you shame me. I don't yeah. even know why. What you're I need to do is set up one of them VPNs and pirate my virtual pirate. <laughs> like the guy at my gym. <laughs> exactly. That, so that's a reference to our Star Trek podcast. You should go listen to that now. <laughs> So, Aaron, have you started the new season of Expanse? I started it last night. I watched the first episode. I've only watched the first episode and so I gotta, far. But... I got to tell you, it's a hard shift to go from Mandalorian to the Expanse. <laughs> because, you know, the Mandalorian is so much joy in just seeing all the cool stuff on, on the screen. And the tone in the Expanse is so very different. However, I will say... Every scene that had Amos in it in the first episode is golden. Yeah, definitely the tone shift is there because yeah. it's and I the book that this one is based on was a bit of a different book. Yes. Even out of the series, because yeah. it's like the side stories book. Yeah. But, everyone but, goes their separate ways and has their yeah. own story. And I, I very much enjoyed the Amos story. Amos is my favorite character in The Expanse. I love Amos. Um, and I, I, was so, I can't pronounce her name. Avisalara? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. She is my favorite character by far. You mean Chrissy? At least in the book. Yes. <laughs> you mean Chrissy? Yeah. Chrissy. <laughs> yeah. They they definitely toned her down on the TV show a lot, but I love she's the, still great. Amos and Chrissy talking are some of the best. And yeah. I haven't seen this season, but reading the books, so they yeah. are some of the best conversations in those books are the two of them talking back and forth well, to she, each other. She, she says to him in the first episode, you know, don't call me Chrissy. I'm not your favorite stripper. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps calling her Chrissy. Uh, yeah. So he's headed back. He's headed. So uh, if, if this is the book that Wayne's referencing, then Amos is headed back to Earth at this point. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Oh man, I should, I need to watch this season. Okay. Three yeah, episodes all, so far. They've all gone their separate ways already in the first episode. I've only watched the first one. I mean, that was one of my favorite books too, because you definitely get more of a look into the, uh, the each of the characters, get their own time to kind of shine on their yep. own without being in the shadow of the others. Yep. Yep. And Amos is just so cool. Yeah, in, in whatever I mean, form you take him, Amos is cool. Sociopath, but cool. But cool. I mean, if you're going to be a sociopath, be a cool, charming sociopath. Right, yeah. who likes and care for kids. Yeah, they they do some great things with him already in this first episode on the trip back to Earth. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. You know, I watched the first season of The Expanse first, and then I started reading the books. And so, like Amos, when I watched the first season, just seemed like an odd dude, like he wasn't quite right. And right. you read the books, and you're like, oh god. Yeah. 
Yeah. That guy's really not right. Yeah, right. But what's nice about it is that he's aware of it, right? You know, he, oh, yeah. He, he understands and, and makes choices so that he can be more of a human being, even though he, he tries, knows that there are key pieces of him that are missing. He tries to blend. Yeah. 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 I like Amos. He's my role model. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that Someday I'll achieve me. that level of humanity. <laughs> uh. <laughs> See, and none of you know how to tra- how to, how to, <laughs> how to, how to bring out comics yeah. now. Yeah. Well, I thought we were going to talk about HBO Max next. I wasn't sure what we were going to talk about HBO Max. No, so we you guys already talked about, about that. Oh, you guys talked about the talk. ones out there. Sorry. We threw Paul off because I threw a topic in that wasn't on his outline. I know. I'm like uh, twitching over here. No. Well, if you want to talk about tonal shifts, uh, going from the Expanse to DC Comics Infinite Frontier. It certainly is a tonal shift. Well, I don't know how you guys feel about paying $5 for every single one of your comic books, but it's coming. <laughs> Um, but uh, wait, we're not we're no longer holding the line at two ninety nine. <laughs> no, no, uh, not at all. Um, so DC Comics Infinite Frontier has been announced as the new publishing initiative, uh, post future state from DC Comics, and and much as suspected, a lot of what is um, a lot of what DC is experimenting with in future state with anthology books and books with backups. Um, is what we're going to see coming in when Infinite Frontier kicks off in early March. Uh, it starts with a, a one-shot, Infinite Frontier Issue Zero, featuring, you know, kind of the, your, your preview of all the creative teams and all the books. Um, you know, Jeff Johns and Todd Nauk uh, team up for a Stargirl story. She's apparently going to be prevalent going into the uh, the new initiative. Um, you know, Damian Wayne is no longer Robin, but he's got his own thing going on. But yeah, your your standard books, your Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Justice League, um, they have new creative teams, and they're not just your standard two ninety nine, three ninety nine story. Now you get a, a story and a backup story uh, for the cover price of four ninety nine. Hmm. Um, so I'd Philip, just have the one story cheaper. Me too, but I think that's how they're reducing the number of books while still off while offsetting the cost. Right. Yeah. Some of the art I'm seeing come out of this is really got me jazzed. You know, you've got that huge lineup coming out of the Infinite uh, Frontier Zero cover that just some of those. I just love the way they look. And I like seeing Booster and Blue Beetle back there in Nightwing. Uh, Besides that, though, the cover for Batman Superman, I think it's number 16, Mm -hmm. that has Superman with the old like the old school S shield, the original first appearance type well even i think that's even past the first appearance more the a decade or two in Mm -hmm. but i loved seeing that and that's got me interested in the story you know are we going to explore different realities versus different realities of batman and superman seems like it i mean it seems like the infinite frontier is you know what we've heard is that it's going to be a little less focus on continuity a little more allowance for you know, different types of stories. Don't worry where it takes place, when it takes place, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, we've got Philip Kennedy Johnson on the Superman books, and I am not familiar with him as a writer, um, but I know the initial artist on the book is Phil Hester, who I do very much like. Um, so, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to that. It looks like Jonathan with – there is no Legion of Superheroes book, so it looks like Jonathan Kent is back in present day, and, uh, you know, we're kind of going to get a, a bit of a family vibe back in that book. Yep, reading the preview of uh, the first Superman book, I think it was Superman. Uh, yeah, Jonathan Kent comes back from the future 
like graduated from the Legion type storyline. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really think that the uh, whole excursion to the future for Jonathan Kent was a mistake. Um, yeah. And I'm glad to see that they're they're stepping out of that. Uh, I, I Honestly, I think that the way the Legion of Superheroes tenure should have gone is that, you know, he leaves to go to the future and then, you know, two pages later he's back, you know, because yeah. mm-hmm. it's time travel. He doesn't right. have to be gone, you know, for months and months. He can come yeah. back on, you know, a panel later. Um, and I, I really do think that that was a mistake. Uh, I think that that Bendis had some great ideas, but in execution, they did not fire well. Um, though I will say, since we're talking about Superman, his last issue of Superman came out this week. Oh, yeah. And uh, I have read all of those issues. And it's funny, you know, they wrap up one of the storylines uh, in this book, and I really didn't care. But there is a final there's like a, a denouement at the end of at the end of the, the story where mm-hmm. uh, Superman is flying across the Metropolis skyline with Lois, and they land on this rooftop while this woman is playing the guitar. And Superman confesses to her. He said, "You know, I, I want you to know that you know many times I am involved in something, uh, you know, and, and and I'm you know it's it's stressful, it's scary." Uh, but I hear your music, you know, I hear your music, you know, I listen for it now, you know, cause I heard it, you know, flying over your rooftop one time, but now I listen for it and it calms me and I wanted to thank you, you know? And so Superman is thanking this woman who doesn't know him, didn't know that he, that he was listening. And it was just this really great scene. And I'm like, you know, I know we have to earn these kinds of scenes sometimes, but that's what was missing from the Bendis stories. He spent all this time creating new threats for Superman and not nearly enough time doing what I think Bendis did really well in the story is talk about the heart of Superman. Yeah, and, that is amazing, Aaron. Just you describing that scene, that's the kind of scene yeah. I want in a Superman book. And I got to tell you, it was a long way to go for that scene. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm just like, God dang it. You know, because th- there there were things that, that Bendis did really well voicing Superman. Uh, and really exploring that and you know painting in those corners, but he didn't spend enough time there, and that that's my that's my big complaint about the Bendis books. Well, and I'll tell you that's part of why I'm torn about one of the big announcements uh, for Infinite Frontier is Bendis and David Marquez are going to be doing Justice League mm-hmm. uh, with a you know Justice League dark backup story. Um, I'm torn on it. One, I, don't get me wrong, I like David Marquez quite a bit. I wish it was Nick Darrington. Uh, but David Marquez, I think he'll do a solid job on the book. But Justice League tends to be an action book. And, and I don't know. It, I'm I'm torn because some of Bendis' best work was on the Avengers. Yeah, New Avengers. Some of Bendis uh, is, yeah, yeah, some of Bendis' worst work yeah. <laughs> was on the Avengers. Yeah. Well, so and it, when I'm you torn. look at it, that means he's going to be creating the new big villains they fight. And I haven't liked his villains in DC. I, Rogue well, Zar is just so Rogue terrible. terrible a character. Yeah. And so the, there was a uh, a new villain in Superman. That same thing. I was like, oh god, this alien villain. I'm like, you know, there are so many other existing villains I would have preferred him to use. And I think that needs to be the editorial direction. Is mm-hmm. that unless he's coming up with the next Doctor Doom, uh, you know, if he's coming up with the next Lex Luthor or Brainiac, great. But these 
these characters that just don't feel like they fit the DC universe. And that was my problem with Rogel Czar, uh, is that he just didn't, he felt like Terex the Tamer out of Marvel Comics. He didn't feel like a DC universe character. Yeah. And I, you can't tell me that Mongol wouldn't have been a better villain in that story. Yeah, same yeah. basic premise, right? Like yeah. It's literally the same premise. Yeah. Well, so I mean, I'm 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 curious. I, of course, I'm going to pick it up. Uh, the first issue, at least, of the Bendis book. <laughs> I'm actually um, excited. I, I I I his work on on Avengers was mostly great. I mean, think about the stories that rolled out of that: Secret Invasion, yeah. Civil War. Uh, yeah. I, you and know, here's the thing: I'm excited about the team more uh-huh. so than I'm excited about him. Yeah. What um, I so... miss out of Justice League, what I used to really enjoy, is the characters interacting with each other. Yeah talking getting character from each other Eating and that's together. what bendis does best that's right i mean yeah. when you look at those early like new avengers books and things like that it was the characters sitting around a table talking yeah those were some of the best scenes and that's why i'm excited that he's going over to justice league i'm not excited about his villains i'm excited to see what he does with the heroes yeah I mean, I'm not the biggest Naomi fan, but Black Adam being on the team, Green Arrow and Black Canary being on the team, I'm excited about those. Yep, yep. For it's sure. Good. I'm excited. I, 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 I am going to – I hope that he, uh, you know, course corrects on this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he adopted a style on both of the – on both Action Comics and Superman that I didn't care for. Uh, and, I, and I hope that he has course corrected from that. I hope that – I hope that he and DC – uh, regard it as okay. That didn't work. Let's yeah. do something else. Yeah, but. it's it's end of year. It's time for his performance review. That's right. right. That's right. Well, and I got to say, my, my the, the 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 surefire best choice of this whole Infinite Frontier initiative was Tom Taylor taking over Nightwing. God, I'm yes. super excited about that. I, I'm very excited for for Tom Taylor Nightwing. I've loved the '90s run of Nightwing. I fell in love with him, and yep. uh, when he was in Bloodhaven, or start out in Bloodhaven. Yep, yep. Uh, I. I miss getting Nightwing, you know, monthly because I was doing it for quite a while there with, uh, you know, Kyle Higgins run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be good to see a good uh, Nightwing book again because it yeah. has not been good for for a while. Completely. And I'm quite looking forward to Wonder Woman by Becky Cloonan. Um, As she like enters Becky. the God Sphere. Yes. I'm, I'm not familiar with Becky Cloonan. Um, she has done uh, a number of books that are. Um, kind of like that medieval uh type stuff if you to them <laughs> i'm trying to figure well out the, like she wrote she wrote conan the barbarian with brian wood back for oh, okay. uh, dark horse comics okay um you know i know she did some of that she's done a, a number of vertigo books uh so I, I, she did uh she also co-wrote gotham academy ah. um you know that book like that gotham we academy. enjoyed back then yeah. yeah so i mean i think there she, she did she's done a bunch of good stuff that that at least stuff i've appreciated i think she's a good fit um for the title cool i'm 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 also very excited to see what jeff johns does with star girl me too because uh jeff johns one of my favorite writers uh and uh star girl uh i i don't have a long history with star girl but listening to wayne for the last four or five years uh rave on about star girl i'm I'm kind of excited to see uh, i love the character and it is a character that nobody has more passion for that character than jeff johns not just because he created it but because it's based on his sister yeah. Right. I think we're seeing some coordinated efforts to align, you know, the, 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 the TV stuff, the movie stuff, you know, like here are characters we need to bring into focus more in our publishing line, like Stargirl. Um, interesting, though, 
nothing, at least in the March solicits, other than one of the stories in Infinite Frontier, nothing from Scott Snyder, which he, he had already said he was stepping more into creator-owned work. Right, right. So, And my guess is we'll hear an announcement on, on a black label from him. Yeah. But yeah. Well, and that's fine by me. I got to be honest. The, the, the bloom is off the rose for me with uh, Scott Snyder. I agree. Uh, I, he, he, he wore me out on Batman. He he started off super strong on that Batman book, but then yeah. it just you know I think yeah. he he and 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 the death metal stuff and the Dark Knights metal just he's he's kind of he's I don't know he he's clearly having fun, but I'm not. Yeah, agreed, <laughs> agreed. Um, so you know, Infinite Crisis is the is, or Infinite Frontier is the new publishing initiative from DC Comics. Yeah, it's there. I'm assuming it'll lead to a big crossover, but you guys, I will tell you. I picked up crossover issue one last uh, after our conversation last week. Uh huh. Uh huh. From Image Comics. Uh huh. Uh huh. And uh, I have not read issue two yet, so you can you can spoil it because I know you guys have read it. Um, I was I was genuinely impressed. I mean, I don't know that I classify it as my book of the year, but I I think it's high concept. I think it's you know there's a lot of great stuff to it. So I'm 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 very curious to hear what you guys thought of issue two. Well, I, issue two starts off immediately on the first page, kicking and shocking me with here Brian K. Vaughn murdered. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, Chip Zdarsky, Scott Snyder, Robert Kirkman still missing. The fact that they keep name dropping things, you know, they don't give you some other name. They talk Marvel Comics, DC Comics, and give real creators and are doing horrible things to real creators. You know. I'm not going to talk a lot about what happens in this issue of the book. What I'm going to talk about is something that's been on my mind since I read the first issue and the the uh, uh, writer's comments at the back of that first issue. It seemed, you know, there there was a lot happening in the book where you're it, it indicates, you know, we're not we're, they, they talk about how the crossover is involving, you know, every comic ever published, all of these all of these creations exist simultaneously and are breaching into quote the normal world um and one of the things that donny cates mentions in the back of the first issue is that he is amazed at the toys they're getting to play with and so i you know this is an image book i'm like oh well i wonder if maybe they're gonna you know bring in savage dragon spawn those guys but this book seems really hard aimed at superman and I you know, keep reading the licensing <laughs> blurbs on issues one and two, and there's nothing there yet, but I am not going to be surprised if we don't see an actual appearance of Superman in this book, because there seems to be such a hard, uh, hard look at that character based on what yeah. we're seeing and and you know, it, it could wind up just being winking and nod by the time this thing wraps up, but I'm. I, I feel like it's going to pay off in, in uh, us seeing Clark at some point. There is a scene that – and I would love to see if it's Clark, not Superman. Uh-huh. I think that would fit this story really well. Right. But, no, there is a scene on here that reminds me of uh, – I think it was Spawn issue number nine. Mm-hmm. May have been eight. The one where he meets uh, another character and they talk about, like, creator-owned characters and how these other characters are trapped in a cage – there's a scene where the government has captured a bunch of the heroes mm-hmm. and you see their hands sticking out of the cages. And it reminded me so much of that 
because you can sit, tell who these characters are right just by their hands. They're Spawn, they're Spider-Man, Batman, Wonder Woman. Yeah, the well and you know they're they're getting help from somebody, right? Who seems to know all the villains and you know it sure does seem like uh you know we're looking at Kryptonite at one point in the book. Uh I I'm just Again, it could all be wink and a nod, but you know, just to hear what Donnie, you know, to read what Donnie Kate said in that first issue, uh, I was just like, I wonder, I wonder about this. Yeah, and I really like the main character here too. Yes, I mean, she is such a strong character. I love this little girl from the comics as well, uh, with laser it's eyes. Just, yes, with laser eyes. <laughs> Yeah, the whole book is just fantastic. It's beautifully drawn, stories wonderfully told. It's scratching me right where I itch. I, I, I gotta say, issues one and two are just fantastic. So I saw you guys talking about this on our our, our chat. Um, uh-huh. So I looked at some of the preview pages, and at least the pages they seem to pick, it seems very kind of abstract art. Is that was that misleading? What, yeah. How would you characterize? I would that characterize style? that as misleading. The the. Uh, yeah. The uh, artwork is very much in line with uh, uh, Terry Austin. Uh, uh, I would even say uh, a little Paul Smithy. Uh, yeah, okay. Very crisp, clean art like I tend to like. But when you have a character from the comic books, they have like the dot color. Yeah, the crossover characters you can tell because they, they have, you know, they're, they're clear, clearly the, uh, the old, uh, you know, four color uh yeah process okay yeah because i was i was intrigued but i was buying two weeks of comics at the same time i just <laughs> did, i couldn't quite pull the trigger but it sounds like even paul liked it or at least the first i issue. did i yeah. did I, even I did paul quite a bit even right. paul liked it mikey liked it all right i'll have to check it out it's super well, good you know and it I mean, advertises this other book at the back of it called at least in the first issue called the flood that seems kind of interesting too mm-hmm so Donny Cates, I mean, he's got a lot, you know, I think he's a newer name to us. He's clearly been around for a while. Uh, you know, I know Marvel plucked him up after doing stuff like God Country and, and those types of books. So um, I'm curious to see how, uh, you know, what, what more is coming from him. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff, guys. Yeah. It's a big recommendation for me. Well, from Marvel Comics this week, Taskmaster, another second issue to a first issue that we all quite enjoyed, Taskmaster, issue two, um, from Adam McKay and Alessandro Vitti, um, you know, continues the, the storyline where uh, someone has murdered uh, Maria Hill and framed Taskmaster for it. Black Widow is on his tail, and now he has to um, basically, I'm trying to figure out the right way to say what he's trying to do to, to Coulson. But you know, he... he's trying to get the like Taskmaster is a character that he can copy any movement he sees. Mm-hmm. So he's tr- copying, learning the body language of these spies so he can pretend to be them. Right. Yeah. Because there's this database that uh, Maria Hill was investigating when she uh, was killed that requires the kinesic profile of uh, three different uh, essentially super spies. It was uh, Phil Coulson. Um, the ladies over like the Asian group and then, um, uh, oh shoot, uh, Black Panther sister. Um, Shuri? Shuri. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, he, this issue is him, you know, taking on Coulson. But no, Coulson, no, it's him taking on Coulson. Period. <laughs> it's taking, yeah, exactly. So Coulson has taken over uh, as, um, I guess the government liaison or leader of the Squadron Supreme, which I've never liked Squadron Supreme. I love is Squadron Supreme. 
is that an actual book right now? Is I, I don't think it is because I did a search no. after we read the first issue. Because yeah. I was like, I want to see where Phil Coulson is leading uh, the Squadron Supreme because that's a book I want to read. I couldn't find yeah. one. So yeah, I, Squadron Supreme is one of those. I love some versions of it. I dislike uh-huh. some. And that's because what I there's love. so many different versions. I love that they nod to that in the book right. where you know Taskmaster's talking to Fury like, "What do we know about Hyperion?" He's like, "Well, there's a lot of them. <laughs> some of them are good. <laughs> some are crazy. Some yeah. are bad." And it, they make this huge nod to the fact that there's been so many different versions of Squadron Supreme from parallel universes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that as well. And, you know, this story tells the kind of story that I love where the, you know, the non-superpowered guy, and yeah, Taskmaster's got the ability to emulate other people's reflexes, but he's really just human, right? Right, uh, yeah. Fighting against a god like Hyperion, a Superman-level power. This is the kind of thing that I, that I always enjoy. Where you know he, he, you got to try and outthink him, not out, not outbrawn him. And I, <laughs> I'm curious as to how much downtime we're going to have between issues two and three for Taskmaster to recover. <laughs> three months <laughs> from the from the beating. I'm going to guess it's what two weeks. Isn't that what we established in Hawkeye? Oh uh, my god! I think it is two weeks. Yeah, I think it's two weeks. <laughs> two weeks. Three months. Three months. Yeah, it's, 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 it's like something I really enjoyed about this is that. We keep comparing it to U.S. Agents when we talked about the first issue. Right. Taskmaster gets his ass kicked. Oh, my God. But you never once feel like he's incompetent. Correct. No. He, has he a always feels – like even if he doesn't feel like he's in complete control because he admits. That the, he's like, I had a plan, but I did not – I underestimated him. So, you know, Taskmaster gets his ass handed to him by Hyperion, but, of course, he's got a plan, and his plan works. He is able to take Hyperion down. And, of course, Taskmaster is a bad, bad guy, and so he doesn't know how to walk away. And he starts just wailing on Hyperion, and I loved Nick Fury's voice not ordering him down, but saying, they will never let you rest if you do this. If you kill Hyperion, everyone's coming for you. And I, well, I love on top of that, my favorite line of that scene is where he's like, be a professional. Yes. Yeah. Because that was the line that got him to stop. Right. You know, he was telling them, oh, all these bad things are going to happen. They're going to come after you. But Tasman's like, I don't care. I'm going to get my pound of flesh because, you know, uh, for vengeance. And then he's like, be a professional. He's like, that's like the one thing that, that clicks, that triggers right. uh, Tasman. I was like, okay. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, the I book think this is, is a fantastic so book. Good. Yeah. yeah. And they really respect the character, which yeah. is – it's just – that U.S. Agent book made me so angry. Yeah, that it was, was a bad, bad book. <laughs> bad, I mean, to be book. fair, U.S. Agent's a bad, bad character. But, um, fair. <laughs> that was like the part when they're like uh, – when they're briefing up because the, the, the book flashes between the current uh, encounter between Taskmaster, Coulson, and Hyperion and – him and then flashes back to Taskmaster and Fury planning for this job. And I like at one point while they're talking, uh, Taskmaster and they're lifting weights, you know, getting buff, getting uh-huh. ready to take on high yeah. period. He's doing curls. You're like, that's 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 not going to help. It's not going to help. Yeah. It's not going to help. <laughs> I don't you know, know what you're doing. Your reps, not going to help. The other thing I appreciated was we didn't really see a lot of Coulson or a lot of his personality, but that Coulson was predictable enough. It's Wednesday. He's at the comic book store picking up his books. Right, right. And his I massive stack that. of comic books. Yeah. Well, and, and to be, you know, if this had been ten years ago, how many people could have kidnapped us by the same plan? Right. That's right. Like, it's yeah. Wednesday. He's going to be at the comic book shop at some point today. <laughs> well, and I like that. You know what? What? What sets Colson off 
um, that, you know, there's something wrong with this guy. Because yeah. he's like, who's your favorite superhero team? He's like, Alpha Flight. He's like, what? Canadian? <laughs> <laughs> Canadians? You've got to be a villain. You're no fan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's real. It's a real, really, really good book. Uh, the first issue, uh, fantastic. I wasn't here when you guys talked about it, but it was so good. And uh, the second issue, just as good. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited to see the – and now, is this going to be – is this a five-issue miniseries? Is this a, a continuing – It's a five-issue miniseries. Okay. But right. I mean, I guess if it does well, I, I, this is, and I'm sorry, it was Jed McKay, not Adam McKay. Um, I, I, I'm not familiar with him, uh, but he's doing such a bang up job on this. I, I, I would probably be interested in seeing what else he's he's written or what he may have coming up. Well, I mean, this is the, this is the episode of issue twos. <laughs> yeah, it is. The uh, terrible twos. The terrible yeah. twos. Except we've issue got two for twos. twos. That's yeah, right. issue twos of books that we just raved about issue one for. It's really the terrific twos, honestly. There you yeah, have, you're right, well, you're right. But is it? Because what? how was Miskatonic issue two, which I have not had a chance to read yet, but feel free to spoil. I loved it. I loved it as well. Naked sex fish people. Well, and I gotta say, I feel like the <laughs> art improved. I, I mean, I liked the art in the first issue. It felt like the, the issue two art was, uh, uh, had really sort of found its groove. In mm-hmm. terms of visual storytelling, but no, I I, I dug this book a lot. Um, I, I think we're same thing I said about the first issue, and I'm, I'm sorry for retreading this. I really appreciate how quick the story is moving because uh, it seems like right. you know the the slow burn of of a mythos story is typically what we get, and this is more of an action adventure mythos story. I'm getting a big kick out of that. Yeah, there's no decompressed storytelling in Miss yeah. And there's no right to the point. Yeah, there's no is it is it not? No, right away you find out when things are paranormal. Yeah. Well, and it helps that I think one of the characters is well aware and is looking for paranormal in every corner already. Uh, the detective from the retired New York detective, whereas you know Agent Keller's the the you know stranger to the to the mythos, and so but she's got this guy like trying to convince her like no no this is really really bad. And she's like, no, you silly, superstitious old man. <laughs> and then I, she sees at the end of issue one, she sees uh, Devil's Reef and what's going on in Devil's Reef. Uh-huh. And she's like, oh, no, this is real bad. Well, and I, one of the things I enjoy about the book is that it employs what we already know about mythos stories and, yeah. uh, you know, particularly about Arkham and, and whatnot. Oh, yeah. And, and you know. I, if you walked into this story not knowing anything about H.P. Lovecraft, you'd just think, wow, that, that Dr. West, he's helpful. That <laughs> Professor West, what a nice guy, letting, letting her use his lab. <laughs> right. Or, you know, you hear things like, like you know, uh, they go today to visit Arsenith Waite, sorry, yeah. the, uh, you know, the daughter of the, the gentleman who was killed in the first issue. You hear, right. you hear, you hear names like Waite and Armitage. And right. Like, um, yeah, <laughs> this, yeah, this like, is not a good person. One of my favorite lines in here is is because of all the location name drops. Right. You Arkham snobs have always looked down at us Dunwich folks. We're no better than filthy inmethers to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like somebody that doesn't know Lovecraft, that line would make no sense at all. But oh, yeah. Just like. Just dropping names all over the place. Uh-huh. Well, and they uh, and at the end of the first issue, that they had that nice little back matter talking about the Miskatonic Valley and kind of right. got a nice little. Um, they reference a lot of mythos stories just briefly as they kind of run through 
odd happenings that have happened in the Miskatonic Valley. But, uh, you know, I, I like the introduction of Arseneth Waite. You know, it's a different type of Mythos character. But, uh-huh. uh, and as soon as, like, in that first couple um, uh, panels when she walks into the class and they're talking about non-Euclidean geometry. Oh, my God, that was great, great page, <laughs> wasn't it? Oh, so good. And then, yeah. you know, they're walking out and, and Wait drops her books and her line is, it's like, I don't know how to use this body sometimes. Uh-huh. You're like, oh, that's, that's not good. Yeah. That, huh, you, you should really unpack that. <laughs> right. And then it just well, keeps going downhill and it is just so, I mean, for the, the protagonist, uh, for, for Keller, it just keeps going downhill. It is just, it's fantastic. I'm really, really enjoying this. Well, and with the page where Wait shows, uh, shows that the FBI agent, um, the, under- what's inside her head. Yes. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God, this is great. I mean, this is what you usually spend 10 or 11 issues to get to in a, a typical Cthulhu comic book. Uh, and this is what I'm really enjoying about this is, is that, you know, you're, you're going right to the candy. You know? And when she, uh, when Wait tells Tom, when she whispers his ear, I showed her a world that you're too afraid to see. Yeah god yeah <laughs> like a dagger yeah. to his heart uh-huh. um and uh, i love that when she comes out of it her first concern is did he take advantage of her while she was drunk right <laughs> right and that's like that was in the first issue like no separate rooms don't trust you i'm keeping my door locked <laughs> yeah it's, it's really a very good book and you know i am so not used to buying uh aftershock books that oh, yeah. uh, wayne had to remind me to go get this one because I didn't I even think, notice that it was out. I don't think I've ever read an Aftershock comic before. I think I've done one or two. I couldn't tell you what they were. But you wasn't know. that um, that launch of that superhero universe? Yeah, I was think it so. Straz- no, it was um, it wasn't Straczynski, but I don't remember. I I, I think we have picked up one. Yeah, and yeah. we just didn't stick with it. I've done a few Aftershock books here and there, but none of them have hit like this has. Really yeah, I will say one last thing, real quick. I, I thought, you know, as Agent Keller had put, been put forth so far, is that she was very kind of a very, you know, a woman trying to make her way in a man's world, seeing up to Hoover, you know, wants to be taken seriously as a federal agent. Uh, I, I found it kind of an interesting turn in her character when they show up at the uh, party with all the, uh, you know, bathtub hooch, uh-huh. that she just grabs the bottle and starts and just chugging it. Yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I was not expecting that out of her uh, out uh-huh. of her person. So I thought that was an interesting um, that and some other things that happened at that party kind of opened some interesting possibilities into uh, her deeper character. Yeah, I'll get caught up in time for next issue, guys. Yes, please, guys. We liked all three issues this week. That's oh, we got right? all three of the books. How often does that happen? Rare, <laughs> very often, very rare. It's a Christmas miracle. It, it's a Christmas miracle. God bless us, everyone. This is our last episode before Christmas. That's right. That's right. And and Santa, Santa, I'm talking to you. That talking Deadpool head doesn't land under my tree. Big problems. (laughs) Dead man. Big problems. Dead fat man. I'm coming for you, fat man. What I really (laughs) want to know is do you think Santa's going to bring Walter pigs in a blanket? Oh, sorry, not Walter, Elmer. Elmer, Is is, is he going to bring Elmer pigs in a blanket? Elmer is deep, deep, deep on the naughty list. I have made sure of this. (laughs) Deep, deep, deep. Oh, do you Bad have a Elmer. local restaurant in, in town where you live in Arlington? Is there a local restaurant uh, that would deliver pigs in the blanket <laughs> to your house if I called them and paid them money on Christmas morning? No. Dang it. <laughs> 
Hey, Sorry, Paul. Yo. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, from DC Comics, we get last issues of our to- of most major titles um, because Future State kicks off in January. So the uh, you know the last pre-Future State issues of Detective Comics, uh, the last Brian Michael Bendis Superman comic in Action Comics issue 1028, uh, featuring the conclusion of The House of Kent. Um, from Dan Jurgens, a book that I don't know if any of you are reading, but I wish I had been because I forgot Dan Jurgens was writing it. The conclusion of Dan Jurgens' run on Batman Beyond um, happens next week as well. Uh, also from DC Comics, we have Dark Knight's Death Metal, The Secret Origin, which I will probably pick up because it's co-written by Jeff Johns and Scott Snyder and features Superboy Prime facing Ooh. down against the Darkest Knight. Mm. So... Uh, it's got Jerry Ordway, Paul Pelletier, Francis Manipal on, and Ryan Benjamin on art. Like, damn, and this is I have to pick up that book. book. It's a death metal book. Yeah, you're not getting me in there, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it a shot, though. Um, we also get what appears to be, or it, at least it is the final solicited, currently solicited issue of Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom issue 10 from Christopher Cantwell and Salvador La Roca um, is next week. Uh, also from Marvel Comics, the second issue of King in Black that we doesn't sound like any of us are going to be picking up. The final issue of Maestro uh, from Peter David, uh, art by Dale Keown and Herman Peralta. Um, and finally, uh, for you guys who are reading Boom Studios' Dune, House of Treaties, issue three comes out. Very nice. Um, one book that, that I didn't mention, but it's an in, I have it is of interest to me, is King Size Conan. Um, it's, a, it's a Marvel one-shot that has uh, stories written by Kurt Busaic, uh, Chris Claremont, Stephen Denight, um, Stephen Denight, you know, the guy from uh, the showrunner for Netflix's Daredevil, uh, Roy Thomas, uh, art by Pete Woods, uh, Jesus Saiz, Steve McNiven, uh, Roberto Della Torre. But what I'm very interested in is the first Marvel work um, from uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles creator kevin eastman oh really he, uh, yeah he does a he writes and draws uh, a conan story in this uh, one shot conan story interesting yeah mm-hmm. yeah i, I mean that's that his up. jam right heavy metal yeah yeah one I, I do love me some roy thomas so i may be picking that one up so i'm very curious about that one yeah well you know hearing you talk about death metal paul it just reminds me of that old adage a paul and his money are soon parted <laughs> <laughs> I am going to be I'm going to be parted with 599. I know you are. Jeff Johns. If it didn't have Jeff Johns, I wouldn't give a shit. But it's Jeff Johns. That's my thing. Well, hey, we'd love to hear uh, what you get under the Christmas tree this year. Give us a call 972-763-5903. That number once again 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you could win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up on social media, IOMGeek on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. What a deal. Well, you guys have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Merry Christmas, everybody. God bless us, everyone. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.